This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everybody. I'm Kara Clank. I'm Lisa Traeger, and this is That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to our second episode of 2021. The year has already started out insane. Just a full terrorist attack at our Capitol, and people are still sending work emails. It's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> That someone tweeted like that's the most American thing ever where it's like, are we going to be working during the coup or what yeah. is happening? Uh, yeah, but our friend, our friend CJ was like, I love how brands are like out of respect. We're not going to be tweeting today. It's like, just don't tweet like you don't need to announce that DiGiorno is not going to fucking tweet today. It's well, fine. no, I think the best thing, not the best thing, but one of the funniest things of 2020 was when Gushers was talking about supporting Black Lives Matter. And they're like, <laughs> we're going to join forces with Fruit by the Foot and Fruit Roll-Ups to really fight injustice. But I do love Gushers. That's, fu- okay, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss bodegas uh, so much. I would get the 25 cent Gushers and Scooby-Doo fruit snacks on my way home from a night out. I used to, I guess this is the big difference between you and me, but I used to get a Ferrero Rocher for 25 cents, like one Ferrero Rocher job. But I like Ferrero Rochers. <laughs> and no, once, and I like Gushers. They just weren't at my bodega. No, I, one time I had a Ferrero Rocher gelato. Oh, me too. In Italy. And it was... Mine was in Australia. Charts. We're so cool. Oh my God. We're so international. Well, we moved pretty fast from the coup, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that next. was obviously a very harrowing. Yesterday, I, I mean, honestly, I got like nothing done. I was like glued to my phone. I, I felt sick. It was crazy because I felt so happy about Georgia first thing in the morning. I was texting you on our group chain with our th- friends, being like, I'm so happy. And then we barely got two seconds to recognize this Jewish senator and this, the first black senator from Georgia being nominated in this uh, historic election in Georgia before these insane right-wing maniacs overtook the Capitol. Yeah, and, you know, we have gotten some messages of people being like, you talk too much shit about cops. And it's like, um, I don't know what to tell you, but we did see a video of them taking selfies with terrorists in the Capitol. So, yeah, it needs to be said. I don't think a stabler would ever fucking do that. I don't think Benson would be taking selfies with a man with, uh, what was it, cow husks on his head? What are no, those yeah, called? No, he the was horns? wearing like a Viking hat. Like he was wearing, I, yeah, I don't know what kind of uh, horns those were, but I hope that arrests are coming for all of them because that was really... Especially since we have like a new 
what is it? New politicians and everyone coming in. I hope all these people get arrested, like someone with their foot on the desk of Nancy Pelosi. Like I just, yeah. I'm, I'm staying at like my in-laws condo and I wouldn't put my foot on this table. I just don't understand how they do it. And I'm not married. It's like my sister's husband's family. I don't even know. What do you call that? Yeah. It's in-laws. I, but that is funny. Cause it feels like they're your in-laws cause they're your sister's in-laws. Yeah. yeah, it is weird. And like, you're close with them. Close enough that they're letting you party at their condo all winter. By partying, I'm just making green beans alone. But yeah. <laughs> you're having a really healthy new year. You're like on a regimen. You're eating well. You're working out. I'm very inspired by you. I'm just getting bigger and bigger because there's a child inside of me. Yes. And people were so sweet in congratulating you on your baby. Yeah. Thank like you, that. everybody. Thank you. Some of my friends that I know that are like, I mean, my friends like contacted me because they found out on the podcast. I was like, I'm sorry you had to find out that way. It's weird in a pandemic. I don't know who like who I've reached out to. I forget who I've texted. You know, it's like weird. No, it's tough. I am. I'm um, I'm on a one on one fitness program with Stacia Patwell. And I'm basically I'm doing 10,000 steps. No booze, no nothing. I've never eaten a green bean in my life. I'm eating four cups a day. That's <gasps> where I'm at. Four cups of green beans a day. See, I think I would like this because I like being told what to eat. Like, not, oh, in, yeah. a, not, not in a uh, Nexium type of way, but I like being like, if you like lay out, like this is what you need to eat every day every meal for three weeks and you'll lose weight. I'll I'm, I get it. Like I would do that. No, it's very Teddy Mellencamp. I have to send her my steps every day. I have to send her every single thing I eat from an app. And then she like negotiates, but I also, I have negotiated multi tricolored peppers into the diet. I was Ooh. like, I cannot keep eating green beans. You have to give me something. So I'm getting <laughs> peppers and it's, yeah, no, it's a different way of life. I wouldn't force this on anyone, but I'm excited. And it's not exactly Teddy Mellencamp cause it's not 500 calories no, a day. I'm eating 1400 <laughs> calories, but I just want to let everyone know before this, I was eating Taco Bell at least three times a week. Um, pizza puffs. I'm in Chicago. I was going to Portillo's for cheese fries. So this is definitely different. I'm eating three fourths cups of Greek yogurt a day. And it is insane. I, I don't, I don't know how I'm doing it. Honestly, <laughs> that's what Rosie has for breakfast every morning. Is really? Three quarters of a cup of Greek yogurt. Yeah. But she has it with honey on it. No, I'm not allowed any. Honey. Yeah. You can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> no, honey, I've been um, I have a sugar free syrup, but it's I don't. It's, it's all about negotiating because yeah. I have all these things to hit. So I have to send her everything every night and it has to be my steps. So like she basically is like night or day snow. I don't give a shit. You better get your steps in. So I'm in the suburbs of Chicago. It was fully snowing. Um, so wet and the snow wasn't going to end till 11 at night. So I was like, I have to go walk in the snow. So I threw on some Uggs and Adidas running socks and I thought that'd be OK. And I walk for an hour and a half in the snow. Come home. My toes are fully blue. <gasps> and I think I have frostbite. I'm Googling. Googling is not the right thing to do. And I only know two outdoorsy people. Um, one I is a girl I have a crush on that lives in Alaska, and I'm not sending her <laughs> photos of my toes. And so then I was like, I got I have to message Hannah, our producer. And so I Oh yes, <laughs> Hannah is so outdoorsy. That's the perfect person. She's just camping constantly. And so I um I texted her in a panic. I'm like, I have frostbite. I don't know what to do. You have to help me. She's like, I'm pretty sure you don't have frostbite. It goes wrong. I have to interrupt. It was close up pictures of your toes. Like like the grossest photos to ever receive out of the blue. I was just so terrified. You need to send like a a warning, I think, before. Like, hey, I'm about to send you some pretty graphic photos. 
I was terrified. And then I, I was like, maybe the socks did bleed onto my toes. And so I was like trying to rub it off. And then she texted me being like, do not rub your toes. And I'm like, well, I already rubbed them. Um, <laughs> and wild. I didn't know this, but Hannah is wilderness first aid certified. I used to be as well. When I was a camp oh, counselor, you could have I was texted a Kara. <laughs> Yeah. So I, yeah, I put my toes um, in the sink and for 30 minutes while I watched Drag Race. You didn't notice when you were walking around that the water was like seeping in? I didn't have a choice. I mean, you walk for, you have to walk back. Yeah. What am I going to do? You need Sling like through winter the trees? ass boots or if you're going to wear Uggs, which like they're barely waterproof, you got to <laughs> wear wool socks. And then afterwards I was like, they're not as blue. Thank you so much. She goes, and now put on socks to warm your feet. And I'm like, good idea. Like I didn't even <laughs> think to put on socks. I was still just barefoot after my frostbite. Um, but I did buy six pairs of wool socks and I picked up my old sorrel. Sorrels. Yeah, those are great. From That's my parents' house. So now I'm walking in those, but I did have to send her blue toe photos. Lisa, I really would hate for you to like lose a toe to frostbite <laughs> from like a New Year's resolution to get healthy. Not even healthy to get thin. Like to get hot. It's not it's even hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even health based. It is truly to just get thin from after COVID partying. And <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna fucking lose my big toes yeah so thank, thank god. you for texting me it was an honor a true oh my honor god yeah and post-covid i mean you're married it's gonna be different. i'm sure we're gonna party together somewhere but like i'm ready i just i want to rave i'm going on my walks listening to britney <laughs> spears femme fatale album just like imagining a rave i just yes oh my god well we'll save the story of the time that we basically went to a rave and did molly together. why do we have to save it <laughs> no you have to mention this we can't keep just men so our friend megan's uh had a birthday party um and we went and did molly in a dance warehouse yeah it's like a monthly party in la that's like at a big plate it's really cool and fun and i have done molly before but when i do when I do it, I just I'm so happy. But my way of being happy is like engaging with other people. So I'm not just sitting there being like, feel the music and like space out. I'm like talking to Lisa. And this was a few years ago. And I didn't know Lisa as well as I do now. And so I was like, where'd you go to college? I'm like screaming questions to Lisa over this techno music. And I'm like, do you have any siblings? <laughs> just insane. And Lisa's like, can I just feel the music? and like, have fun. I was like, cool. We'll catch up later. <laughs> like, it was so ridiculous. It was so fun. And then I finally told you, I'm like, you can keep talking to me. Just, I cannot respond anymore. I'm like, I just cannot <laughs> So I respond. think I did. I think I just kept like saying things to you. And a funny thing, our friend Megan has a podcast and she got this. She got a bad review for her podcast, The Greatest, because she revealed that her and her husband did Molly at their wedding. And someone said, I supported your podcast. But now that I know you did Molly at your wedding, you're disgusting and decided not she to She didn't listen do anymore. it like at the ceremony, by the no, way. She no. wasn't rolling when she said I do. She said she did it late, late night. Like, yeah. It's crazy. People are so judgmental. Kara broke her knee at that wedding. Not broke it, yeah, but you well, got injured. I had to go to physical therapy. I was dropping it low like I was 20 years old. And guess what? I am not 20 years old. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I dropped it low 25 times and then my knee decided to leave the wedding. So we will get started. Yeah, let's get going because we've got a great case for you guys, a great episode and case for you today. And if you're just joining us, this is the first time you've ever decided to listen. We talk about an episode of SVU. We then cover the crime that it's based on and we get to interview someone that was in the fucking episode. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into counterfeit. This is a very interesting episode from an early season. Basically, a woman's body is found raped and murdered, blunt force trauma under the West Side Highway, like a skeevy area where like sex workers hang out. And yeah, um, whenever it's under anything, I think of the Chili Pepper song under a bridge. Under and the I bridge. Sing it. That's yeah. where crimes happen. Yeah, there's no bridge that you hang out under that's like people are just having bake sales and stuff. So uh, this woman's name is Paula Gray. They get into the back of her car, her trunk, her like BMW is just parked right there with a ton of pills in the back of a drug called Ritex. You know, one of my favorite things happens in the top of the episode. It's when um, like Benson. Oh, yes. yes. (laughs) I can't believe I missed this. So the woman's body is found under the West Side Highway. Benson shows up in like a sparkly dress fresh from a date. No fewer than 12 people comment on it. Like everyone's like, oh, nice dress. Like, you know, it's like I love when they come from their regular life. They they do that a lot to Benson in early seasons. Like, I think they're trying to be like, she's trying to balance a dating life with her cop life, you know, but also maybe it was a later date in my head when I think of dates, like maybe it's our generation or this was a long time ago. It's casual. You go to dinner, you go for a drink. She looks like she's coming from a ball. Yeah. It's (laughs) like, like, what date is this? This is a fucking (laughs) New Year's outfit. And she's, it, it is truly a New Year's outfit and she's in it for a while. Like, and every time she moves to a new scene, like the Emmys, like nice dress, like everyone, I'm like, look, I think that wardrobe was just like, Hey, is for a day. We just put Benson in not a short sleeve mock turtleneck and, gray slacks like, like she just wanted to live yeah can we just have a day where she wears something hot like and oh. it's um benson uh if you guys are wondering she has a pixie baby cut with wispy bangs yeah so that's where we're at with Benson. that's hair. where we are in the benson hair timeline um okay so in the trunk of this woman's car we find a million dollars worth of this drug called ritex of course they find out that the ritex is not real it's a counterfeit drug that basically her company is trying to flood the market with this counterfeit drug so that when her company comes up with their drug it's going to be a huge success and she's about to whistle blow on this company with the fbi and and reveal all the stuff that's happening with these fake pills meanwhile she's also sleeping with her boss regolia who wants to call ravioli (laughs) so she's sleeping with ravioli she wants him to leave his wife and stuff, and that's just not going to happen. And what's fucked up is everyone keeps calling her ugly. Like, yeah. They interview people at the work. Even the guy, the boss that's fucking her is like, she's nothing to look yeah, at. Yeah, they like, call her mousy. They're being mean. They're being really <laughs> mean to her. They're like, no one really looked at her ever. <laughs> like, they, yeah, they're very vicious, but whatever. Yeah. So they, I think they think that he, Regolia has the motive to kill her, but then suddenly there's a second victim. So we kind of are done with this storyline with Regolia. He's obviously going to get turned over to the FBI for this drug scam. And now we're going to meet the second victim, but she's actually has survived. Her name is Francesca Resner. And she says the man who attacked her, dun, 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 was a cop. Yes. And the thing that bothers, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself is... 
Finn acts a little defensive. Yeah. Yeah. And like this is season three of the show. They're definitely still trying to act like cops do no wrong. Like cops are the good guys, blah, 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 which we all know is a fantasy in this show. So we also missed, I just do want to say, um, our MD to me had one of my favorite lines and she wrote no semen, just rough rider. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and rough rider is a brand of condom in the SVU universe, but it's also like even the rough riders, right? Yeah. Even the Rough Riders is like a rap group, but like Rough Riders as a condom name is really gross. Yeah, because they kept saying. Yeah, <laughs> they, they found they, really- yeah, it's like that is an important detail. Sorry. So Francesca Resner is the second victim. She says she was pulled over, breathalyzed, and then the cops said, you can have sex with me and I won't arrest you. She pretends to pass out. He drags her like away from the car and rapes her. She says she wasn't drinking. They bring her into the precinct. She was definitely drinking. She blew a 1.2. I don't even know if that's a lot, but Finn is like a lot. Yeah. Then they go and they find out where she was earlier that night. The bartender, the classic SVU thing where they go, have you seen this woman show a picture? And the bartender goes, vodka coke no ice knows exactly what she's been drinking and he said it was a party of 300 people were there so out of 300 people he recognized this woman and remembered everything i think i know why why vodka coke with no ice is the most disgusting drink i can ever think of well except so lady sonia morgan real Housewives of new york coke and rose yeah that's disgusting as well (laughs) yeah but i would imagine that both of those are a little bit chilled no ice you want warm coke and vodka I'm honestly gagging a little bit, even thinking about it because of fucking drag race gagging and sickening. Now I can't even <laughs> like, I'm like, wait, what does she mean? I'm not gagging in a, that way. No, my dad way. drinks um, glasses of vodka room temperature. And when we go out to dinner or something, he'll be, he'll like yell at the server and be like, no, ice. He thinks it's wasting the liquor. Like that. It met like suddenly there'll be less liquor if there's ice. That's disgusting. And even more, this is even more psychotic. We would go to Giordano's <laughs> on Monday. It was half price pizza night. My dad would get a beer sneak in little bottles of vodka pour it in and put pepper in it and that's what he would drink with his pizza with his deep dish vodka with beer and pepper and pepper fucking sick in the okay never mind i thought i was really going down a road here with the vodka coke and lisa no it's disgusting me (laughs) no i just i just got on a tangent of room temperature liquors and the people we love that love them well that's the only reason i could think of about why like he would remember her anyway they do this on countless svu episodes where bartenders just remember the order i'm like i don't remember people that i like spent time with two weeks ago so all the evidence in this case is starting to point to a cop they track down two cops that are anti-crime cops and well because i also want to say to me found blue fibers yes and there were navy blue fibers underneath uh so that's what if you kind of know what the episode's about you're like navy blue fibers like okay like a uniform for sure and when lisa says to me she's talking about tamara tooney who is the brand yes so to me suitcases found <laughs> found uh some navy fibers underneath that fingernail so they narrow it down to these two cops al marcosi and roger graves graves is a black guy so he's not the guy because the um, victim said it was a white guy marcosi is played by a guy who's been on four episodes of svu they love to use the same people i don't personally like that i like them to keep it separate in the world i don't like when i see somebody as a perp and then i see them come back as a lawyer i don't like that i like it because it's just people working Yeah, it's people working, but there's so many actors in New York and I am creating a world in my head and it takes me out of it. Well, the biggest case of that is uh, what's Novak was a rapist or an earlier episode. Novak killed a stripper. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but we disagree. I like I like seeing familiar faces and you hate it. So that's like a fun thing. 
Ah, uh, no, I like seeing it's a, it's different. Anyway, so Benson goes to visit her old boss who gives her some intel on these two cops. Then Benson and Finn have a fight because I think uh Finn is again trying to be like, don't rat out these cops. Oh, he's being awful. Like, and then I don't know if this is the part, but when Finn is to Benson is like, What side are you on? And she yells, The victims. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, bro, like you have to that that's the whole thing with evidence he, being a you I don't know. Cut no, this you're out. right. I'm no, like no, stuttering. no, you're right. But <laughs> He, he he changes as the show goes on. Like later, I think like Finn is much more open to the idea that cops can be dirty. But in early episodes, he's very. I also just remembered one thing that will be important later is Francesca said that the cop took her driver's license. Yes. Yeah. So the, the person who raped her took her driver's license, which is scary, but also feels like a trophy. Yeah. But she was saying doing. she goes, he knows where I live. Right. Right. So IAB gets involved. This is the first appearance of Ed Tucker. Who really? Is, yes. This is his first episode. He goes on to be in oh, like 30 episodes of SVU. He later is a romantic love interest with Benson. His character recently passed away no. on the show. Oh, his character. Yeah, his character, not the actor. The actor is Bart Bass, also from Gossip Girl. I still, I've like hoped to want, yeah, I just, I'm glad he's alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, really? I didn't mean to tell you he died. Tucker died. But Tucker, like, when I see him, to me, it's like a lizard man. Like, I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> and in the real world, I'm like, investigate these cops. They're yes. shady motherfuckers. Yeah. But in the show, they really brainwash you. When I see him, I'm like, leave our officers alone. Like, it's I, so true. I hate that what he does to me. No, it's so true. The show paints IAB as a bad thing. And I think a lot of movies do that, too. Like, they paint IAB Internal Affairs Bureau, if you're not, like, super up on this stuff. All they're trying to do is check power they're just trying to check and make sure cops aren't being dicks and they are being dicks like heads up um as we've seen so tucker reveals to them that marcosi is under suspicion suspicion of having sex with a sex worker for reduced sentence and that she is missing this sex worker so that is sketchy they talk to one of her friends who tells them all about how marcosi was kind of trying to date one of her uh her friend raquel the one who's missing and finn has another awful line here yes um, where he goes not on the word of some hooker and it's like you're working in special victims. Yeah. Like you can't call her a hooker and not trust her if your job is to help her. But, right. So that, you know, I love Finn, but it's a yeah, problem. he's some problematic at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, remember he was like not cool about his son being gay for a minute. So Finn definitely grows. Well, Cause as even a in the beginning of this episode, he's like jimmying a car and they're like, were you a car robber? He's like, I was in the boy Scouts, but he winks. So yeah. yeah. It's, so we, you know, he has a past. He has a past <laughs> Finn. This is also, there's another quote here where Craig and I think says, nobody wants the media bad mouthing the job. And I was just like, LOL, it's 2020. That's all people do now is bad mouth the cops. Um, Finn Benson and Tucker, they investigate Marcosi's locker where they find, Rough Riders, mount up. <laughs> they find the same brand of condom that they found in the first victim. And so, he's like a teenage boy and he has like sexy women photos in the inside yeah, of his locker. Yeah, cop locker. He's got like hot babes inside of his locker. It's really creepy. That's weird to me as yeah. a grown person. Well, they're setting it up. Sexies. They're setting it up that this guy is definitely this cop rapist, right? Like, he, Yeah, because he has a chain on his neck. He has like a gold necklace. So it's like, you know, he's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, evidence that seems to just point to Marcosi being a total slime bag. Like he actually talks about how he hooks up with sex workers like to get a little extra on the side, but I never pay for it. So it's like he's not an angel for sure. Yeah. So they invest. What is it called when they're in the room? 
question they, they question, question him. him and he's not scared he's like i don't need my union rep i have nothing to yeah. hide i'm yeah. fucking so that of course is like oh you know usually yeah yeah and we see huang we get our our buddy bd wong Ugh, I love um, him. yeah so dr huang comes and interviews marcosi but you're you're just like not is that how they getting- say it huang huang it's wong but it's h-u-a-n-g are you sure pretty positive i don't think it is i think it's wong w-o-n-g girl if you're making it, I've seen me. enough credits. I think it's BD Wong. But that's because it's BD Wong. Yeah. His last name is Wong. He's George Wong on the show. H- I've never it's even right knew here. It. Honestly, it's right here. If someone put a gun to my head, I'd be like, his name is BD Wong. And I, would, I don't care. I would hate to see you get murdered that way. <laughs> I, I, I'm so embarrassed being such a fan, and I had no idea that that was his name. How you spell it. Yeah, but you're still saying it the right way. There's just spell different ways. It is BD Wong with a W. And we have to cut all of this. No, we don't. <laughs> that I, I mean, yeah. No, we don't. Save we don't. my face. I cannot believe that I did not oh my know God, his character this is, name. So it's George? Yeah, it's George Huang. Do they call him George? Um, Not really. It's always pretty much Huang. But it's funny that you thought I'm that I was shocked. just making up this pronunciation of Wong. Yeah, I thought you were trying to be like, you know, rolling your R's when you're trying like, what are people I speak saying? Mandarin and I'm like letting you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I also just learned that too. I'm sorry. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> I was like, am I wrong? I had to Google it to like, for myself. Like saying it, like you sounded like a Hebrew accent. Like oh yeah, Huang. like Huang. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to do like a Rachel kind of thing, which is my Hebrew name. Okay. Um, so another woman then comes forward saying that she saw the story of a rapist cop in the paper because it did leak as it always does. And Huang breaks it down that like, that it's like, whoever this cop is, it's like the badge gives him power and the gun and it's all about control and he keeps the licenses, his trophies, blah, blah, blah. Then Finn and Benson go to speak to Francesca, the second victim. And guess what? She has been taken away by a cop, but it's not them. And the neighbors all watched and yeah, everybody neighbor- watched and was like, yeah, good thing. The cops took her in. Like it was what weird. There was, it was animosity shocking. towards her. It's like, she's a party girl. It doesn't mean she should be dragged by yes. the police screaming. Right. So basically because they I had, also this is so messed up. I don't even know who this is, but I wrote perfect messy bun. So if oh, you, the third victim. The, the third th- victim has a perfect messy <laughs> okay. bun. Yeah, I noticed that as well. So the third victim who came in and said, you know, I never saw his face. So she can't really identify him either, but she's definitely like it all happened in the same exact way. So this is clearly just showing a pattern. So they cut Marcosi loose because he was in custody when Francesca was um taken away. So it's like he's clearly innocent. And we find out the guy's dick doesn't work properly. Yes, we find out that the perp who is doing this is like sometimes having a problem with erections and then he will slap the victim or something, do something violent to like get going again, which is and not terrifying. Plug to I have an old, old joke where I say all the world's problems are caused by weird dicked men. Yeah. And SVU proves it time yeah. and time again. Very true. <laughs> okay, so they start to go check out maybe this is a person who isn't a cop and is posing as a cop. So they go to like these stores that How sell they NYPD that gear because they cross-reference the receipts from this guy's f- like fake uniform store with a car because Marcosi had seen a car. Oh, yeah. With so a, this and is he got a partial confusing. license plate. These people, I bet you're listening and you're confused. And I basically, um, you know how he was denying being there. And then while he's being interrogated, he admits that he was there, but driving away and then saw someone. Yeah. And he thought it was his boss. Uh, okay. But it wasn't his boss because he ran the plate later. 
and the plate was a cop type of car, but it was not a police issued vehicle. And that's how they find this guy, Jeffrey Trapani. So they cross reference it with the records of the store and they find this guy who's bought like the cop light, the badge, like the whole outfit, whatever. And they they find this guy. He works for the city doing like trash pickup. They follow him to a cop bar where he's having a drink. Then this is one of my favorite. I love when they, they do they, this they shit. They killed it. Finn and Olivia just sit next to him and have a loud conversation being like, we're getting kind of close on this case and like just drop a bunch of hints. And then they follow the guy. Well, yeah, they're basically implying like he better you kill, better this, kill girl. this girl because if she, if she we're gonna turns up, her. we're going to find him. So they follow him back to his like lair where he has Francesca tied up and he's got all of the lic- like licenses of all his victims like taped to the wall and they arrest him. And there were a lot of licenses. Yeah, there were a lot. There were a lot. There were at least a dozen. So he probably killed a lot of women. I mean, that's the thing. It's like he wasn't a real cop and that was upsetting. But I think a point of this and like with the IDs is that the women probably didn't want to come forward because he was a cop and being a cop. It's like people are going to trust you enough to pull over. Yeah. And then you can abuse your power. But it's this uh, thing where because you're in a uniform, people will open the door to you. And we're going to get into it, like what it's based on. But there are several. I mean, most recently, the Golden State Killer was discovered and he was a cop. So a lot of things uh, that the cops are doing messed up and one can be just committing crimes outright and using. Their no, power I have an all caps in my notes while I was watching the episode. Like I am livid. The cop wasn't guilty. Like I was so mad. But, you know, we watch the show for the twists and turns. So. I mean, because Marcosi still needs to be disciplined for having sex with sex workers, like to lower their sentences or let them off. Like, that's yes. not OK. Yeah. So let's take a quick break. And then I'm excited for you to tell me everything about the real crime this was based on okay we are going to be talking about the true crime of counterfeit and it's a wild one. I watched a forensic files, another amazing crime show. And it's uh, the, the base of forensic files is about evidence. And there was a lot of evidence in this case, a lot of amazing detective work. So we're going to get into it. Good news up top. That's different from SVU. I don't know if it's good. The cop is guilty here. So <laughs> there's no games. Um, and the cop is so, so bad. So basically what happened, there was a woman, Kara Knotts. Oh, justice for Kara's. With a C. I know. So do you still like her? It's the same name, though. So she was like beautiful and young and had like budding environmentalist. They said she was studying to be a teacher. She was in track and field, worked at the zoo, active, like just a really seemed like an effervescent girl. This was in Southern California, right? Yeah, in San Diego. The bad guy's a... California Highway Patrol, CHP. Chips. Chips. Yes. (laughs) And so basically her boyfriend, also a hot guy, he had the flu. And so she decided to drive to his house, be a good girlfriend, you know, take care of her boy with the flu. And she called her father at around 8 p.m. and let him know I'm coming home. So then after a few hours, the dad knew something was wrong and he something in his gut was like I need to go look for her and he went driving and driving around and he found the car um her body and nothing was there so the car was in what the cops called the tombs and it's like underneath kind of like in the SVU episode where it's like under it's 
an exit ramp on the highway that leads to nothing to leads to like a dead end. And it is creepy, dark, eerie there. It's not like a cool place. Um, the cops come and like from the car, what was weird was the door was open and her purse was on the seat. So that's of course horrifying. Like once you, you know, she was dragged out of the vehicle or taken out and, uh, they ended up walking and they found her body at the bottom of a bridge so right nearby nearby 70 feet away oh wow um so 70 feet away there was like a bridge they looked and she was below and um the dad was still on the crime scene because he found the car and he said that's brutal they said like when the cops were coming to him he just knew and this is like pretty sad but his response when he found out to the cops the dad said i wish you could have known her she was an angel so that was upsetting and of course you know the motive wasn't nothing was clear Mm -hmm. about this and the biggest question for the police were what made her pull over here Mm -hmm. what made her go over there and obviously because we know what's about to happen we know it's the cop so that was hard for them to figure out and like Finn Tutuola this cop in this forensic files they keep being interviewed and he keeps being like I didn't think it was him and it's like more and more evidence he's like I couldn't believe it (laughs) I I said -uh." and then it's like you were wrong. <laughs> like, I, so it, he, you know, there was a true life fin in this situation, but yeah, so there's no clear motive. There's not a lot of evidence. They do find a yellow fiber and that is it. There was no evidence of sexual assault, but strangulation bruise on. So that was the cause of death is strangulation. Yeah. Strangulation. There was a bruise on her face. So no sexual assault. Um, so that's, you know, different from SVU. Then they found evidence of her filling up her gas tank at the Chevron. Okay. So they do have her on video and everything seemed kosher. There was nothing weird happening at the gas station. But at the crime scene, there were two suspicious skids. There were two suspicious skid marks. That suspicious is, is a hard twister. word. Suspicious skid marks is like a, that sounds like a way to warm up in theater class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so they found two of them and they couldn't tell if it was breaking or accelerating or whatever, but the space between the tracks was 53 inches. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's like a, a big gap. So they assume it's a big car. Okay. So I, I, I just, I love evidence-based information like this. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I think it's so magical. My favorite, Dr. Michael Baden. Oh, I love Dr. Michael Baden. Um, legendary forensic pathologist. He always says forensics is the dead communicating. Yeah. It's like, I just got chills thinking about it. It truly is like the dead somehow helping find their killers. Yeah. And um, so it's really beautiful. So they said it was a big car. It had to be someone they trusted since she pulled over. So at first, they didn't think cops. They thought boyfriend. Oh, so the flu boyfriend. They, yeah, because he was the last one that saw. There was no evidence, but the sister lived with him and was like, "No, I was with him," and it just didn't add up. Yeah. And he would be at the Chevron. Like it just, it wasn't him. But the cops were like, "We only had his word that she didn't leave the house." And it's like we also have her on tape at the Chevron. But okay, okay, <laughs> but sure, guys. Um, so then after this case, it obviously is upset you know shocks shock waves like what the fuck this is scary she was young beautiful like blonde like she just had everything of like a classic victim that would get Mm -hmm. attention a lot of media a lot of media so craig pyre a chip he goes on the local news to do a segment about how women should protect themselves from this happening to them and then all of a sudden from that floods of women start calling being like 
that creep pulled me over. And so all of a sudden, 30 women call um, like the police department and the news. And like there's a hubbub that this guy, Craig Pyre, who put himself on TV to do a segment how not to get fucking taken and assaulted by strangers on the road is a person that now all of these women are calling going, I've recognized this fucking creep. And when he pulled those people over, those women over, yeah. what did he do? So this is what's crazy there was no physical violence or touching on any of these women he just sat in the passenger seat and spoke to them inappropriately so there was a lot of sexual language he was trying to get dates right is that what, what i read i read something that he was trying to like date these women so i think he was like talking to them creepily and hoping one of them would be like i like this but guess what no that yeah it was kind of like <laughs> speed dates i guess yeah. yeah and he took them to that particular oh off my god it was like the same off ramp i think that was his favorite <sighs> off ramp it went to nothing yeah and so um they all went there so that's obviously a connector but the, yeah these women said that he would just ask questions and say inappropriate sexual shit but that's it that date thing actually makes sense yeah he's obviously a fucking weirdo who yeah can't fuck in the real world so <laughs> i can't figure it out a weird dick man for sure a weird dick man so yeah so then they they go to his logs and in the logs it says that he was somewhere else then they dig deeper there are erase marks oh, on the logs. So, so like where that log that kept put him somewhere else there wasn't any race mark yeah. on there so that's something to investigate so they questioned Craig Pyre. Obviously, all these women called. It's the same off ramp. Like everything's trying to make starting to make sense, except to this one chief who goes, I don't know. About <laughs> I think Craig is great. Um, so while they're questioning him, they see that he has injuries. Yes. Yeah, scratch marks, right? Yeah. Scratch marks. And he blames that he ran into a fence. And he named a specific fence and they're like, the fence height and what you're saying does do not, not add up. <laughs> do not add up. Yeah. And that's the thing with the cop. It's like, you should be a little bit better about getting away <laughs> with this crime. And also bad to the cops where it's like, why didn't you see that you're, this guy is a fucking freak. You know what I mean? Probably because they're all freaks. But, yeah. um, so he's being questioned. They know that there's, um, he denied all of it mm -hmm. and he willingly turned in his uniform. So we go to John Sims, who's a criminologist. And he is looking through the uniform, you know, microscope, figuring it out. And he it hits him that in the evidence bag, there was a yellow fiber that matches the badge of this police uniform. And so they uh, do a test and they the jobs are insane. So we go to this next guy and it's senior research microscopist. OK, that's a wild job. That is a wild. What does that mean? He's the head of microscopes. Yes. Microscopist. Microscopist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So his name is Skip and there's another Skip too, but who has a different crazy job. We'll get to it. But the other Skip is a forensic odontologist. Oh, like dental stuff. Odontologist. I'm glad yeah. you know it all. So we go to Skip, who's the professor wizard of microscopes, <laughs> and he sees that the yellow fibers are the same. Of course, that could be circumstantial mm -hmm. evidence. And the police chief guy, I don't I didn't even write his fucking name down. He still doesn't believe it. So he brings in a ton of other uniforms and those yellow fibers do not match. So this is like an exact match of the yellow fiber from his uniform that was found okay. with her. Also... On his uniform, yeah. there were purple fibers from her sweatpants <gasps> on him. Still? Yeah. 
Purple fibers were found on his shit. They were an exact match for Kara's sweatpants. Whoa. They must have like closed in on this like pretty quickly because it sounds like. Oh, two weeks. Yeah. It only like, took two weeks. It happened. To and then the next day, because like we always say in SVU, we're like, nothing goes this quickly in the law and order like world. But in this case, it seems like things move. When everything's fast. in duck center and they yeah. want to solve it. Yeah. You know, and you know, she was visiting her boyfriend, like right. full sweatpants. That's a, yeah. that's a, <laughs> that's a girlfriend <laughs> outfit. That is a wifey outfit. So they sprayed his car with luminol mm-hmm. to check for blood. There was nothing, but they did find yellow rope underneath the spare tire. Ooh. And that is, um, that's the rope. So one of the skips asked to look at the rope. Um, skip Sperber. <laughs> the I don't know where, where all these skips you are coming from. You have to be from. a forensic odontologist if your name is Skip Sperber. That's like the rules, I feel like. God, I just want to find forensic love. Okay. I <laughs> I don't know if I would love or hate dating a forensic person, but it is. They would, uh, they would hate it because you would ask a billion questions every day. Like, tell me about the trace evidence. Did you find a partial? Like, yeah, you would. No, You'd I do. Ask a lot of there questions. was one blood splatter analyst at my show once in San Diego, actually, oh. at the La Jolla Comedy Store. And I, yeah, I bothered him for a while afterwards <laughs> I, I, you know, I do jokes about forensics. I love it. Yeah. And he goes, guess what? They and also say blood spatter is bullshit now. It is. He did but, other blood yeah, testings, yeah, yeah. but yeah, they said blood. Yeah. Spa- Dexter's job is yeah. bullshit. Not real. So the rope has like traces, like it's what you was used to strangle her. Yeah. Okay. They also find t- a tiny drop of blood on her shoes. Oh, but the DNA, this was in the eighties. The DNA um, technology was not there yet, but they of course kept it and it's sealed and you know, they kept it and that's going to be important later on. Mm -hmm. Um, Also again, circumstantial. A lot of this evidence was circumstantial and not to like ruin it. There was a mistrial. So the first time he was tried mistrial. And then the second time they hired a new prosecutor from like a different state to come. And like the jury was more evenly split with the genders. Um, But there was a mistrial because the evidence is circumstantial so the blood type um they found was a b and it's super rare and it's his my daughter has a b really yeah and you love to give blood so i'm sure rosie yeah. will be giving I, blood yeah to the moment she can yeah. how old do you have to be i think um two so no. I'm not. <laughs> no. for people that don't know kara is really a member of the community you help the community a lot <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you <laughs> So, yeah, he's a 13 year vet. He got charged with first degree murder. And it's like, how did the cops not figure this yeah. out? It's just like so fucking weird. Um, it's sad and fucked. And the skid marks were equal to his car. Yeah. They were obviously yeah. a police car. And they figured out that the bruise on her face was a flashlight, a police oh. flashlight. The same size. Again, cir- again, circumstantial. Yeah, they couldn't prove but- it. But the marks left are the marks that would have been left by a police wow. flashlight. And, you know, those are fucking heavy as Yeah, fuck. like a mag light. Yeah. So um, the prosecutors think he, like, saw her pumping gas, was intrigued by her, followed, followed her, her, and then pulled her over. And she wasn't timid and she didn't want it. And I think she, like, fought back a little or didn't want to exit the car. Like, just didn't give him what he wanted in whatever yeah. way. So they think that he hit her and then she passed out. And then he realized, oh, she can ID me. Yeah. So while she was unconscious, he strangled her with the rope. The fucked up thing, you know, they didn't find any fibers inside the cruiser. Um, He put her on the hood of the car and drove to the bridge and flung her off. (gasps) So, you know, calculated and uh, the, yeah. 
Ugh. very fucked up. He so but fucked up. She didn't have to. It was just because he wanted to keep his job. He loved being a cop. Like that's what all of the coworkers said that he was upset. I think that's what we're finding. If you're a cop, you should not want to be a cop. Then you could be good. Like if you always <laughs> wanted to be a cop, there something is something uh, something's on hinged in there yeah they said that he had a hot pencil that he loved it like ever his whole identity was being an what's officer. hot pencil mean like that he was ready to write a write ticket. up tickets yeah, okay, he was like get, handing tickets <laughs> to everyone he could and so hot pencil pyre yeah he could have left he just didn't want to lose his job so it's like it's so fucked but up. you lost your freedom and like you're you were not good at hiding it for the fact that you are a cop and you should know about this stuff it's just so fucked up that all of it's fucked up but he could have left her to live and you know I yeah just, he could have i honestly this sounds terrible but i feel like he could have like framed it that she tried to attack him and that he did it in self-defense like then it's just he said she said and she gets to live you know yeah like did he always have it in it is it his first victim like we yeah. don't even know and then also like all those other 30 women could have said something too like why wasn't he ever scared of that that's going on wild the news when so all many these- women that no one would report it or like get a badge number but that's also the 80s are different than today like i mean i definitely would be like what's your badge number like or you know a cop getting in your car is creepy in no, any way. And then like some of the advice he was giving on the news was like, if you're about to be pulled over or, or maybe it was something else I saw, but like you ask them to call more help. Like you don't get out. Like you call the police and you double check or you're like, yeah, you send the chip like more police over. Like if uh, you, when the guy was the fake cop, like yeah. if a fake cop pulls you over and you don't know, you could be like, um, you should call NYPD by like make sure I don't know how to it do is, it. I've but made no I mean, sense. back to the episode a little bit. It is like kind of, I've talked to cops a few times in my life. I've never been like, show me your badge. Is this real? Like if someone's dressed in like a good enough outfit, right? I know. It's like scary to think Or I that, think about but... Hocus Pocus when the kids start talking to a cop on Halloween and it was a fake cop. Yeah. I don't know if that's <laughs> a monumental moment, how much crossover there is with true crime and Hocus Pocus, but I I'd hope say a lot. probably a lot. Um, so yeah, so it was all pretty upset, you know, Kara felt threatened, tried to go, he hit her. It's just, it's really awful. And they mention how it's interesting that one yellow thread from his patch is kind of why he was his nail in his coffin kind of, Yeah. but then can you, you're probably going to get to this, but I was reading a little bit about this case that, um, He's been up for parole several times and he's offered and they've offered him to submit his DNA and he denies he still maintains his innocence, but he won't give DNA. Yeah. So they have the blood from the boot. Right. So he keeps saying he's innocent. So they're like, listen, dude, we got the DNA. Like, give us your DNA and we'll clear you. And he's like, nah. (laughs) Yeah. So he's obviously guilty because who wouldn't? use new technology to clear their name and get their job back and you could probably sue the state you know like yeah. you could do so much and he got 25 years in prison but he keeps getting denied parole yeah because yeah. he's been up for it a bunch of times like in the past 10 years i feel like and he's not it's and then this is a, a nice sad ending um the dad was visiting that spot mm-hmm. and actually had a heart attack and died and on the spot where she died? Yeah, like a few feet away. They're, um, they set up a bench and garden there oh. and they upkept, they, they do upkeep to it because um, oh. they lo- love and miss their daughter so much. And he was there visiting and um, had a heart attack and died. And he just was going to join her. Yeah. In heaven. 
Yeah. So if you believe in that kind of thing, I I mean, I wonder what advice he gave. I don't know what I would do if I was like on at, but it's also different. Like if I, let's say I'm speeding on a highway, there's lots of cars. I see a truck, there's a McDonald's a hundred feet away. I'll pull over. Yeah. Give me a ticket, whatever. There's like lots of evidence. There might be cameras. I, because of shows like this, I, and because of, you know, looking at all these crimes, I think if it was nighttime, there weren't a lot of cars. I would not stop. Yeah. I think I would call the police on my phone and be like, someone's trying to pull me over. I don't trust it. It seems weird. Or like going off of a highway. But that's what that's the trouble is like we're taught to trust law enforcement. Right. right. And it's dangerous. And I want to know the fucking laws and rules of these costume store or uniform stores. I know. Uh, yeah. I would go, were you in high school when um, like scrubs were in or maybe you were in college? Like, yeah, scrubs yeah. were huge. And so well, I, remember Dirty John, he was just wearing scrubs all the time. <laughs> yeah, but he was trying to be a doctor. No, he was he was claiming to be an anesthesiologist. But yeah, he didn't work. I know, but, it, <laughs> but I just wore scrubs to class. To hang out. Yeah, I wasn't trying to like <laughs> lure a woman with money to fuck me. I I was just trying to be hip. So I remember going to those stores and being like, how do you know? What the yeah, fuck? that is weird. Like. Even like a nurse. Uh, yeah, I don't know. A cop is a really messed up uniform to sell. A lot of the Army Navy, they sell like army stuff, but it's all kind of like just camo stuff. It's not like anyone's trying to like go run and impersonate a military person and like get oh into a God. war. One time I went to the U.S. Army Navy store Um I, or I called them and I was looking for Soviet shit for my dad. And I was like, hey, do you have any Soviet shit? And they were so offended. And I was like, oh, they're a U.S. This is military. a U.S. military. <laughs> <laughs> I saw they'd have lots of crap from everywhere. And he yeah. I just got hung up on in like a very aggressive Well, I think manner. that's because you were thinking of it as more of a costume store. And they yeah. were thinking of it as like a lifestyle store. Yeah. Yeah. They were really mad about that. Yeah. So that it is a really sad crime. Um, you know, don't trust the police. I will actually say I was recently pulled over by a cop on my way to Colorado. I recently drove to Colorado. I was pulled over in Utah. The speed limit was 80 and I was going faster than that. And I got away with a warning and I had weed with me. And I just was never scared for a second because I was like, oh, I'm a white woman. Like, and I just feel bad that that's not the experience of like any person of color in this country. No, I was online today and there's like a young um, black dude and he invented like this red little pop-up folder that you hang on the outside of your window that has your insurance and all the documents. And it has like a clear thing to put your license. So then by the time the cop comes, Oh, you don't even have to open the window and do any, Oh, and then the cop can see where your hands are. It's just like sick that this is an invention that needs to happen. Um, and I, the thing is like, it doesn't matter what black people do. If, the goal of the cop is to kill them. Right. You know, like it does because there's been so many instances where black people are fully doing nothing. And um, what's it called? Complying. Complying. Yeah. And still get yeah. shot and killed and murdered. So it's like, hopefully that helped, but it's like they have f- followed rules and been killed before. And, you know, I'll be on, I've been arrested a few times in my early, um, late teens, early twenties before I was even 21, but I was driving drunk all over Iowa and <laughs> <laughs> looking for Burger King. Um, no. So I was like a menace 
I shoved, I screamed, I would banged my head on the fish tank. Like I said awful things to them. One time I was arrested, I went limp. They put handcuffs on me and I went you limp. You went boneless? I went boneless <laughs> and they had to drag me. I was just, I shut doors. I hit a cot. Like I truly was a fucking monster. And, and nothing s- happened to you? Um, I served two days in jail. No, in terms of getting. Correct. Like assaulted. Correct. Because I do fight with family um, that are not. <laughs> agreeing with me on a lot of stuff and I that's like what I always say I go can you imagine if that day that cop decided to shoot me and everyone on television and on the internet was saying I fucking deserved it because I was a dumb bitch and that I deserve to die yeah. and they usually go silent there but it's fucked up and in this case this was a predator against women he was probably pulling women over of all colors and creeds but he was like fully just trying to intimidate women and then and that's fucked up now that you say that because it's like what if i'm like i don't trust you i'm making sure you're a real cop go fuck yourself like i probably even also have the privilege to be able to yeah. be that rude yeah like, what if a black woman was like i'm gonna fix you know like, yeah it would be like she's on the run or something right. like that so it is fucked up but i'm glad i have my violent cop story to use as proof for ammunition for, for family f- arguments for family cop arguments because it's just like the way people try to find reasons why it was okay to kill someone is so fucked up and i feel like i gave a cop a million reasons to hit me yeah or to do worse to me to do something yeah like hit you or you know assault and you it was like and i got arrested twice in three weeks Whew. you were on a tear girl yeah anyway that was a great recap and I'm excited to talk to our guest. Okay. Time for our guest interview. We're so excited to have this next actor on the show. He is a law and order staple. I believe he's been on, if not all of the franchises, he's definitely been on original recipe and SVU. People know him as Danny Noonan from Caddyshack. He also has recently appeared in City on the Hill with Brian Cranston on Amazon. He's been on Sneaky Pete. He has honestly a very, very big IMDb that you should check out. And we just will a little note really quickly that his audio starts out a little shaky because we are in quarantine, but just stick with it. It really clears up. And uh, guys, we're really jazzed to talk to Officer Marcosi himself, Michael O'Keefe. Well, what's amazing about you, Michael, you've been multiple characters in SVU. We, we're talking about the episode Counterfeit, but you've played priest, cop, and dad of victim. So Counterfeit, you're like a bad cop, but you're not the baddest cop. Like you don't end up being the murderer, but you just have sex with sex workers. But you end up helping the SVU unit find the bad cop. And it's like a person pretending to be a cop. I'm the red herring in that episode. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, and just so you know, it, it, it could sound to some people off-putting that actors need to be reminded of what they actually did when they did that. But it's one of those things, especially with Law & Order, like, you know, to have you remind me of the show is like, Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I did that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm back. I'm back. I remember this now. Well, to be fair, it was season three and the show's uh, beginning its 22nd season. So it was a little bit ago. We don't blame you for kind of forgetting. And you've been acting. Yeah. You have like a bunch. Can I do another SVU with Amanda Seyfried? Wasn't she? 
Yes. Yeah. That's the one where you play the dad. Father. And then they thought I was the bad. Once again, the red herring. But then you were a priest and you were bad. Oh, oh, that. Yeah. That's the one where you had the gay lover, right? And he was taking yes, which was more or less ripped from the headlines. Yes. <laughs> so out of those three episodes, I know it's like a little bit, you're kind of searching your memory for them, but do you like, was there a favorite of your roles? Like, did you love playing the priest more than the cop, more than the dad or? No, I mean, it was great to connect with Amanda because we ended up becoming friends again later on in life because she actually married an actor I'd worked with, Tommy Sadowski. They now have a, a daughter named Nina. And Amanda and I just did a movie uh, at the end of last year, beginning of this year, that's going to be on Netflix called Things Heard and Seen. So that relationship was great. And then the first uh, Law and Order SVU that I did was produced by my very good friend, Ted Kotcheff, who had done a feature I did years and years ago called Split Image. So this all gets tied together. When I did the movie with Amanda, I played a sheriff searching for her murderer. She gets murdered in the movie. And, oh, plot spoiler. And, um, <laughs> and my wife in the movie is Karen Allen. Oh, love Karen Allen. Right. Well, when Ted Kotcheff directed Karen and I in a movie 40 years ago in 1980, in which we played lovers. Cut to, oh. cut to we got cast. His husband and wife, 40 years later in this movie with Amanda and the directors, a couple named uh, Bob Pulsini and Shari uh, Bregman, had no idea that Karen and I had worked together and were boyfriend and girlfriend afterwards at the time. So, and, And then Ted was responsible for bringing me into that first SVU. So when you say like, oh, Ted Kotcheff wrote me in on this or or Warren Light, you never auditioned for Law & Order. You just kind of like get these parts offered. Pretty much the Law & Order franchise has always called and just say, would you come and, you know, and be on the show? I don't think I ever auditioned for them. And I've done a few. Now, I heard another thing about them you might want to know about Law & Order, which may or may not be true, but I, I think it kind of feels true. Is We love an unverified rumor. Go ahead. Yeah, that, well, then, you know, you've come to the right actor. <laughs> I did so many of them that Dick Wolf, the showrunner, said to his producers, you cannot have Michael O'Keefe on one of the Law & Orders until he's until it's been six months since he's on the last <laughs> one. And that's going to be called the O'Keefe Rule. And that O'Keefe Rule is now in place for all actors. If you have an actor on one Law & Order franchise, you have to wait six months before they're on the next one. So I think that's actually a thing. Like it's called the O'Keefe rule. And, wow. Yeah. Well, cause we're in a big debate about that, about uh, yes. the characters being reused. And when they're, different. cause I have like, we've seen every episode. I'm sort of a purist. And I'm like, if I've seen you as a dirty cop, I still remember you like t- five years later as the dad. And I'm like, Oh, he's not a cop anymore. He's a different person. <laughs> but the best is they had one woman, uh, she murdered a stripper and then she became the DA and was the like lead attorney for seasons. And yeah. I love so, it. They bring people back. No, I think it's obviously for actors. It's great to bring people back. I'm just joking as like a <laughs> <Yeah>. viewer <laughs> that I'm like, I, I recognize these people. Well, yeah, of course. And, but, you know, it's a New York thing. You know, it's, it's a New York-based show. All the shows are made in New York. And it's a great thing for New York City actors. And, you know, I'm not a New York City actor anymore. I live in the country. I'm not so far from New York. But it's one of those things where it, it kind of 
it's a very well-oiled machine. You know, they have these studios over at uh, Chelsea Piers, and the crews are amazing. The directors are always great. And some of the directors, like I had worked with years before, one, one was a camera operator who had worked his way up to being a director. Another was a DP. Another was, you know, a friend. Um, so there, there's this kind of, not predictability, but almost kind of like, you know, um, collegial thing that happens on the Law & Order, where it's just like, they just love the New York pool of actors and they just keep bringing them around again and again and again, which, you know, New York City actors don't get as much work, generally speaking, as the television actors in Los Angeles, because there's not as much done here. No, I, whenever I go to see a play off Broadway or Broadway, what I, yeah. what, the playbill is always filled with SVU credits. And always. Yeah. I, I hear that that's so like much. a trivia game. Like when people go to the theater, they're like, which order of S or online order did I see this guy in and what did he play? And, and the thing when you're playing a guest star on those shows, whether it's SVU or the, the original, whatever it is, you're always the criminal of the week. Or, you know, in the case of law, SVU, the perv of the week. Because the regulars are the ones who have to have the moral high ground and somebody else has to, you know, allow them that. So you're always being called and it's like, you have an order to do SVU. You're like, yeah, okay, what did I, what did I do? <laughs> well, that's why the counterfeit episode was exciting uh, because we obviously assumed it was you the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a little twist. Michael, I know you mentioned the Netflix movie that... Can you say again what the Netflix movie is yeah, called that's, that's coming out? Yeah, called Things Heard and Seen with Amanda Seyfried and James Norton. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And I did a pilot with John C. Riley for HBO about the acquisition of Magic Johnson for the Los Angeles Lakers. And he plays Jerry Buss. And I play Jack Kent Cook, the guy who sold Jerry Buss to the Lakers. And I'm doing this little bit on uh, City on a Hill for Showtime with Kevin Bacon and Aldous Hodge. Wow, you're busy. Well, that's awesome. Well, our listeners will all know where to find you and look out for your work. And and thanks for and thank you so much being for taking Oscar the time. nominated guest for us. That's yes. pretty thrilling. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm glad you guys uh, gave me the the nod, as it were. It's nice to be singled out. So, <laughs> see you, SVU fans. See you later. All right. That was amazing. That was amazing. So post-mortem. Listen, this is our post-mortem. Let's break down what we think. I mean, I'll tell you what I learned. What did you learn? If I commit a crime, I'm not going to go on the news and advertise it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I think that's what I've learned. If I'm going to go smart. on a spree, I'm not going to go on Barney and be like, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not going to happen. I mean, I'd like to say, like, I want women to feel empowered to like speak up against bad cops but like this poor Kara girl fought back and lost her life so i think the lesson is if you're getting pulled over on a dark creepy movie yeah. set type spot right keep it yeah you keep it figure pushing. out a way to like, get pull out over of at a gas station pull over underneath a street lamp like somewhere where there's like light and people and... or on the highway yeah yeah, yeah the side of the highway don't go on some exit ramp yeah, not, blaming not we're victims. not victim blaming. No. We're not victim blaming. We're just saying this is just something that I'm going to take yeah, with me. Yeah. If I ever get pulled over and the cop asks me to pull over somewhere, I hope that I'm in a position where I can not follow the rules. And that's yeah. dangerous for people, too. I mean, it's all fucking dangerous. That's the scary thing. No matter what the right thing you think is, mm -hmm. there's yeah. fucking risks involved.
There's risks everywhere, man. Um, also, a lesson from the episode is like, beware of people that are like police junkies, like people that like love cop stuff and are like, I want to dress up like a cop. I want to buy. Yeah, they have a lot of books about shit. killers, no. cops, criminal justice. Yeah. Nah. And they're not, and they're not going to law school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's actually a really good one. I also want to say, don't let your boss pay for your apartment. Yeah, come on, guys. That's fuck well, your boss, but don't get if I maybe actually I take it back. Let <laughs> have your boss pay for your apartment and cheat on his wife. Who cares? Um, no, don't fuck people that are gonna call you mousy and ugly. Right, I say that. Right, that's a good lesson to learn. And don't wear a gold necklace. You will uh, be presumed guilty. As I'm wearing two gold necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think my major takeaway also from the episode is vodka and Coke with no ice is the most disgusting drink I can think of. Yeah. Okay. Now it is time for what would sister Peg do, which is our uh, weekly segment where we give you some resource or an action item to do that is related to the episode today. We would encourage everybody to join Kara Knott's family in writing to the California governor, Gavin Newsom to block an early release for Craig Pyre, the officer found guilty of murdering her. He is allegedly eligible for an early release due to COVID and overcrowding. Um, they have, for some reason, deemed him to be nonviolent. I disagree. This is an officer who harassed his position for years and finally escalated to taking someone's life. And we do not think he should be out on the street. So if you guys go to our show notes, there will be a link that takes you right to an email form that will help you easily write to Governor Newsom and tell him you'd like to speak out against an early release for Craig Pyre. And we plan on doing that ourselves as well. Next week, we'll be doing a credo, which is season 20, episode five. And it is a good one. As always, Hulu has all the episodes, Peacock. Um, we had one person write in saying she has all the DVDs. So you can always invest in those as well. And if you are driving right now and you're like, you can't write down what our next episode is. Remember that we do post it. We are now posting it in our show notes, what the next episode will be. And we are also posting it on our social media, both our Twitter and our Instagram every Thursday. See you next week. Bye. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmesseduppod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at That's Messed Up Pod and on Twitter at Messed Up Pod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer and fellow SVU superfan, Hannah Kyle Creighton. Thank you to our heroes, Stephen Ray Morris and Annalise Nelson, our engineers. To Henry Kapersky, musical extraordinaire for our theme song. To our artistic queen, Carly Jean Andrews, for all of our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dun-dun! dun dun, dun.